Hi, this is Carmen Mayev Jenkins, Managing Editor of the International Journal of Stroke. In the following interview, I spoke to Michelle Paulson from the UK at Stroke Society Australasia meeting this year, 2013, in Darwin. And we spoke about stroke trial participant information and how it is excessively becoming more difficult to read. Hello, I'm Michelle Paulson. I'm a core medical trainee in uh, medicine in the UK. Um, I did this study with Paul Fitzsimmons who's one of the consultants at the Royal Liverpool Hospital and we looked at um, patient information leaflets uh, being excessively difficult to read. First of all how did you find out that they were difficult to read? Like what process did you use to assess that? Um, initially we sort of, uh, Paul, Paul Fitzsimmons is very interested in this area and got me interested really while I was working with him and um, it's something that we, we sort of decided to investigate uh, and then wrote off to all the um, actively recruiting trials, um, got the information back, uh, put it through a readability programme and came up with um, results which were, were quite worrying really. Um, as in if you suggest that uh, looking at research that levels should be, uh, the Americans would say a grade six, that's six years of education and um, in the UK probably grade seven to eight, so seven to eight years of education. Um, but Actually, what came back is the majority of the trials were actually graded at uh, greater than 12 years education, which was postgraduate level. Um, so these information leaflets are being used to, as part of the consenting process for trials. Um, what our research shows is that really um, most people are going to be finding them in incomprehensible, really. So it's not particularly valid as part of that consenting process, really. So... What are, what are the outcomes for patients when they can't read the information about, say, medications or, you know, their best prevention practices, etc.? Um, outcomes, I mean, right from minimal outcomes of not being able to understand a, a label or information on a label, don't, you know, from avoid, if, you know, drowsiness or avoid driving or things like that. People um, don't often understand or they might think they can't take any alcohol with all antibiotics and there's sort of misunderstandings. Then there's sort of, um, you know, health advice for patients uh, for maintaining their own fitness and health, you know, what they should eat, how much exercise they should have. There are, is information in doctor's surgeries and things like that on the wall. Again, if that's not written to a level people can understand it, then they're missing out on all those uh, um, healthy tips, really. And I guess that the people that are less likely to be able to read and understand would be from the lower socioeconomic groups who might be seen to actually require that information more perhaps than, than people who were more sort of educated and able to read and you know, more inquiring about their own health really. So there's a big implication for people who can't, you know, can't understand that information. It's a big disadvantage really. And so um, how exactly did you assess readability? Like how, how does that work exactly, the assessment directly? The assessment, um, the, the text is extracted from the information leaflets. Things like charts and um, are taken out and, uh, you know, tables and things, uh, just to leave the sort of plain text. And that's then put through um, a computer readability programme, which is freely available to people online. Um, and then it generates the scores from that. And it'll look at the length of the words and syllables and things like that. The length, how many... The length of the actual document it doesn't seem to make any difference. It's all about the words and the syllables used, and obviously the more technical words will throw up a higher score. This may be a little bit off topic, but is it is it a bit arrogant to assume that people wouldn't be able to understand 
um, the text? Like, what made you feel that you needed to have a look into this this avenue? I think, um, again, it was a discussion with um, Paul Fitzsimmons that, you know, looking at other work and other studies, really, and, and also just, I think, from understanding the patient group within the stroke trials, because we're basically talking about information given to people in a, in a normal setting, but in a stroke setting, people are acutely unwell. They're very scared a lot of the time. And it sort of threw up questions, really, about how able they were going to be to take in that information, because... You know, it doesn't take much of a leap of imagination to think that they're actually going to be able to take in less information than people who are, you know, just sort of generally a bit unwell or just need some health advice, really. Um, so it was just to look at that, really, and see how difficult it was because you'd, you'd kind of imagine that the work would need to be a bit easier for people in that, in that acute setting rather than harder. So... It's quite a surprise, really, to see how difficult they were to read. Does this mean that the readability issue is relative only to stroke or mainly to stroke? No, I don't think so. I mean, we only looked at um, the stroke leaflets at that time, but I think, you know, there is a, there's a, a massive move, really, that I think all, all trials really need to look at their work um, and need to sort of think about those settings, and particularly in acute settings when people are, you know, have other worries about the illness itself, about being scared or you know, um, worried and just... Though all of those factors obviously are going to impact on ability to read anyway. We've not looked at that in our study at the moment, but obviously that, that's a major impact, really. So I think it, it's all trials. Thank you. You've been listening to an interview with Michelle Poulsen on stroke trial participant information and how it is becoming excessively difficult to read. This podcast interview is a collaboration between the International Journal of Stroke and Stroke Society Australasia. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication of the World Stroke Organisation. Please, consider becoming a member.